Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of our Blimey cast. Today, we will continue with the series of episodes that I started in episode 15 and then made another one in episode 20. And that would be reading to speak. In this episode, I read a bit, a piece of a book, in this case, the book called The Little Door by Josh Radwell, in order to improve your speaking abilities. Because reading is an excellent way to improve your vocabulary. So if reading stories, if reading mystery and horror stories is a cup of tea, then this is definitely for you. And if you're not, try it because you need to understand that you are not reading for pleasure here at least not in the beginning you are reading because you are training your abilities you are training and developing your skills right so let's crack on with this one you're listening to blimey cast more information check my instagram profile blimey Hello again and welcome back to Blimey English. Today we are going to make another reading practice in order to improve your speaking skills. How are you with your reading? How are you with your reading? Yes, because if you don't know, reading is quite a powerful skill when it comes to improving your speaking ability. So, in order to enlarge and strengthen your vocabulary, you need to read. Simple as that. By reading, you not only enlarge your vocabulary and embellish it, but also you're going to learn grammar. I'm not saying you're going to study grammar. You're going to learn grammar because when you read, you're able to apprehend all the structures naturally and easily. Okay? So, let's get to it. I'll read another bit from that book, The Little Door by Josh Radwell on my Kindle. Let's get started. Right, let's start from where we stopped last time. Here. I'd hoped that Wendy would be able to provide some answers or at least a key. Seeing as how those options were out of the picture, I took the crowbar to the end of the hall and shuffled the table away so that the door faced me clearly and unobstructed. The crowbar felt lighter than when I left the store with it, but I managed to wedge it into the nook between the door and its frame. The church bell sang. My phone on the table told me it was after one. I pulled, and at first I felt a resistance from the door or whatever was behind, as if someone or something were pulling it back from the other side, refusing to let the light seep in, refusing to allow me to see the secrets it kept guarded. Then the pipes began to grumble, the pipes began to rattle, then that deep, gurling sound again, as if something that drained swallowing up the water. Then came the knock and I fell backwards onto my ass. The crowbar bounced beside me, and the house fell silent. The church bells stopped singing their song. The house was silent. I know, right? Tell us what's next, you're probably saying. 
I think it best then, reader, that I keep that I keep my interruptions to a minimum now, or not at all. The night is coming, and I'm afraid of its inky darkness. So I will keep writing, if you keep listening, and I will tell you what happens next. Is your tea warm? I stood up again after that and reached for the damn crowbar. I told myself, it's just the pipes. And I didn't let that knocking, that damn knocking, keep me from finding out what was behind the door. So, like a salesman trying to close a deal on that new Toyota, I picked myself back up and I persisted. I took the crowbar and wedged it into the door again, this time deeper and nearer the doorknob. It struggled, the door did. It pulled back while I pulled it forward. And I told myself I was hearing things as I continued to pull, ignoring the sounds of the pipes rattling violently above and below, rattling as if coins and nuts and bolts were passing through them. And I ignored that growling sound that came from the floors below my feet. And I pulled, and I pulled, and finally the door gave in and opened with a loud clap-crack sound of the wood snapping and the bolts in the doorknob failing. I took in a breath, let it out. The house was silent again. The door was askew only slightly. I couldn't see in. I knelt, let my fingers curl around the wood, and I pulled it open, and behind the door I found... bricks! Just a wall of fucking bricks! Red bricks, to be exact, with yellowish cement holding them together. I wasn't sure what I was expecting to find, but it was disheartening and a little anticlimactic to find just a wall of bricks. I knew nothing could be there, the blueprints showed as such. And yet, part of me, that boyhood curiosity to explore and to discover and to seek and to find, was hoping there would be something special behind the small door at the end of the hall. The rest of the day was spent unpacking whatever boxes remained, few but some, tearing them down to, crushing them so that they fit in the recycling bin sitting at the side of the house. And when all of that was done, I plonked myself in front of the television and flicked through the channels, mindlessly, not really paying attention to any of it other than the flashes of colour and sound. The reception on my phone wasn't the best, and the Wi-Fi hadn't been connected yet, but I found myself scrolling through old articles on this town, curious about its history. There was almost nothing of interest except three small lines, founded in 1729, no tourist attractions or historical people of interest, owned by the church. The door knockers first arrived just before three. I heard the knocks from the living room, the sound carried through the house. Three raps. Obviously, I wasn't expecting anyone, so it came as a surprise. I pulled on a shirt and went to the door and let my hand rest on the doorknob before turning open, and finding them there. Four of them, these door knockers. The first thing I noticed about them was their skin, how it clung to their bones like the others in town, how it was pale and grey 
and how their eyes were ashen and glossy, as if covered with a white film. The four of them were tall, and their arms were long, and their necks were like those of swans, and their chins were jutting V's. The one in front, three were standing behind him, had dark hair combed back and slicked down with gel, and he must have been their leader, or else the most senior of their bunch, because he was holding in his hands a small leather book, and it was he who cleared his throat with a hearty cough and offered up the biggest smile. His teeth, too, were yellow and black, as if covered in decay, rotting in the gums. Hello, he said. Welcome to our town. Might you have a moment to talk? Who are you? Of all the people I'd seen, they may well have been friends, the only people in this place to speak to me, or at least seem as if they wanted to speak to me. Were they the church? The clergy? The priest? The gaunt man? This hungry creature, he said. We're from the church. Sorry, I said. I'm, um, not religious. That's not why we're here. If you'd spare a moment to talk... Sorry, maybe another time. I'm a bit busy. The three behind the man, two women, one younger man, they nodded, smiled, backed away. The man with the slicked back hair let his jaw fall open and I saw his tongue, slippery and black, before he said, We can wait a bit longer. They walked away, no car, I noticed, and I wanted to call out, but I stood in silence as they seemed to float away down the road. I closed the door. The hunger grows as a right in this little room in this building on the hill. The church bells sing. I can hear them. I can see them sway in the wind. Who pulls the ropes? I don't know. The wind, I think. Or breath. The very next day, at almost the same hour, there was a knock on the door. I pulled it open, and there they stood, the four of them, again, still gaunt and grey, except this time they looked hollow, and their hair was wispy, and their mouths hardly had a chance to open before I swung the door closed. Friend, muttered their leader from the other side. I froze, listened. If we could only have a moment of your time, I'm not interested, I said. We will try a third time. Isn't that how it goes? Third time's the fall? I pulled the curtain shirt and muted the television, and for the rest of the day, even though they knew I was inside, I pretended I wasn't home. I passed the small door at the end of the hall on my way to bed that night, I'd cleaned the house and moved the furniture and showered when I began to sweat profusely. And as I showered, the pipes groaned, and the drain gurgled up and swallowed the water and the sweat, and it seemed to lull whatever creature slept inside them, as if satiating its thirst. I passed the small door. I didn't hear a knock. It was all in my head, I told myself. You've been alone too long. Look, 
I said to the door knockers the third time they arrived. This is getting ridiculous. I don't want to have to call the cops or anything. Please, leave me alone. The leader smiled his yellow smile and his lips split in the corners and bled. Please, he said, with just like a moment of her time to clarify things. Clarify what? I yelled. What business could you possibly have with someone who doesn't want to hear? We're here to welcome you. I've been welcomed several times, all of them unpleasant. We're not unpleasant. Your friends here, I nodded to them. They ever speak? Sometimes. I squeezed the bridge of my nose between my eyes, sighed. If I let you run through this little script or whatever, I said, pointing to their books, will you go away? Is that a yes? Fine, whatever, come in. Don't take up all my time. The four of them rushed inside as if something outside were after them. They smiled. You've certainly made this place your own, said the woman, the older one, who was wearing flat shoes and who looked to have been chewing on her nails. It's different, said the younger woman. Newer, said the younger man. Yes, there's much life here, said their leader. Different, I tried. Sorry, have you been here before? Certainly, cried their leader. The previous occupant, you see... That doesn't much answer my question, I said. Never mind, said the woman. Yes, yes, said the leader. It's perfect. It's very much alive. I... What? I tried. Make the call, said the leader. Make it fast. The woman nodded. Listen, you have to leave now. Nonsense, said the leader. He turned his empty face to me. We must begin. Please leave my house now, I said as sternly as I could muster. The four of them made their way down the hall, muttering to themselves. They walked as though they already knew the house as their own. They moved towards the table at the end of the hall and shuffled it aside and they knelt by the small door. Please, I said. I was stuck in place. I watched them pat the door. Soon, whispered the leader. I'm calling the police, I said, pulling out my phone. They won't come, said the leader. Sit, Henry. Sit. Wait. It began soon. What began soon? Just sit. How... How did he know my name? We'll explain later. We promise. You will want to be a part of this. I don't want any part of whatever the fuck. The man slapped me hard across the cheek. I felt his palm burning to my skin, a blistering and prickly sensation. My mouth fell open. A few droplets of drool licked out. I'm sorry, the man said. You need to be quiet. I... They will be here in a minute, said the woman. So soon. They were waiting. The leader nodded, smiled. And then they all arrived. It was three to begin with. Three women, all of them grey. Then came two children and two more children pouring to my house. I told them to leave, but there was nothing I could do. 
Idaios, the police, but not before, two policemen barged through the door in uniform, their skin white as snow and their lips black as tar. Then seven more people arrived, men and women and children, ordinary looking. A young couple holding hands entered. Then seventeen more people, if I counted correctly. Two more police officers, a woman in a nursing uniform, a woman who looked to be a teacher, and the grocer from Joe's, and the owner of the hardware store, and the two children who passed me in the park, and the woman with the bag with the seeds, followed by the ravens, and more, more people, pouring to my house, all of them grey, all of them smiling, all of them lining up to pet the door, and me, I fell backwards to the floor, kicked away as these people entered my home and filled my space and stunk up the wood and the tiles and the ceiling with their musty smells and their smells of death and their skin all grey and their... My head grew dizzy, my breathing rough. Please, I tried, my heart thumping through my words. Thump them. Faster, faster. I tried to swallow, I tried to take in a breath, more people poured in, I struggled to breathe, I must have passed out because then all I saw was blackness. When I woke, I was tired to one of the dining chairs, the rope that bound me was thick and coarse, my wrists were burning, through blurred eyes, slowly coming to focus, I was able to make out the shape, the outline of a mass, a group, more people, all those people. You're awake, said a voice. It was a man. Good. What? What have you done to me? I said. I struggled, thrashed my body left and right in whatever attempt at an escape I could muster. The rope cut into my skin, its frays sharp like the blade of a scythe. I'm Father Old, said the man, a priest. And you're going to help us. We're all hungry, you see. He paused as I thrashed again. We're hungry, and you made this house, he gestured to the walls, to the ceiling, to it all. Your home. It's imbued with your soul, boy. And the old God waits, and you have fed him your sweat and your tears and your dirt you have given him water and you have watered him and being here you have given him energy replenishment what the fuck are you talking about i cried will you help us the priest asked father old let me go i said eyes now in focus i looked across the room at the mass huddled into the living room behind father old a hundred, two hundred faces crammed like sardines into this small space, all of them practically cheek to cheek. They glared at me, their eyes wide, their skin grey, their eyes empty, wide-eyed, staring, smiling yellow teeth. We will let you go after you help us, but even then, we are sure you will want to stay. Let me out of this chair, I said. Let me go. What do you want? What is this? What? I tried to stifle tears. We want you to help us. We've been starving so long. 
Nobody comes here anymore. Nobody remembers us. They fled, all of them. We're hardly on the maps. Nobody likes the church town, they'd say. They don't know what we are and what we, what he, can offer them. What can he offer you, boy? Do you wonder? Life. The priest let out a shriek, and the congregation behind him let out a wail, and it turned into a cheering. Life, they cried. Life, life, life from flesh, the priest said. We are so hungry. But he lives here, he lives below, the priest said, falling to the ground to kiss it, his lips almost sticking to the floorboards as they parted. This house is his house, and it always has been, for so long. We settled here, you know, around this house. The house was built above it, and we had to make it appealing to you, didn't we? To wake him, we need new life. What the fuck are you on about? I cried. What is this? Just show him, father old, said a voice. He will believe us if we show him, and then we can show him promises of the eternal. He must help us, said father old. Boy, we will let you out if you swear to help us. Swear it on your life. That is unbreakable. Fine, fine, fucking fine, I will help you, but let me out. Good, good. The pipes began to rumble louder than I'd ever heard them. That deep and guttural growling sound. And the girling. He's ready. What the fuck, I said. Who are you? We are hungry, and we have been for so long. Father Ode crossed to me, cut the ropes that bound me. Immediately, I tried to make a run for it. I tried to flee. I dashed to the right, to the door, but some great hulking man with biceps like trunks stepped out and caught me before I could go any further. The beast dragged me backwards while I kicked and begged, and then he took me down the hall and threw me at the end of it. I looked up at the little door. The little door at the end of the hall was open, open. There was blackness behind it, and a dull yellow light at the very end of whatever lay beyond. Around it, painted on the walls, all up them and all around, were sigils in a language old or ancient, something I could not recognize. They looked like shapes at first, like circles with lines through them, and triangles with spirals in the middle, and crosses. The closer I looked, though, I saw how arcane they were. The spirals pulled me in. The triangles felt sharp in my eyes. The circles felt endless and deep. The lines looked as though they were coming at me. These sigils were painted in red, in blood. And there were candles, too, that looked as if they had been burning and melting wax for centuries. Tall candles, short candles, their flames flickering in the movement around them. Orange-red-yellow light thrown against the wall. And the door was open. There were no bricks behind it now. Behind it was darkness and a light.
Oof. Behind it was darkness. Ooh. <laughs> That's what we like. So what I'm going to do now with you is I'm going to give you all those words that I marked when I was reading through with you. So you can improve your vocabulary. Are you ready? Do you have a pencil and a notebook for you to take notes or not? So I hope you do. Let's get to it. So the first word I marked is this. Unobstructed. Unobstructed. And the phrase back in the book was, so that the door faced me clearly and unobstructed. So if something is unobstructed, it is not blocked. So if you've got an unobstructed view, you've got a view that is not blocked by anything. right? And I'll give you one example. The road was unobstructed two hours later. Let's see the next one. Seep. Seep. The phrase back in the book was refusing to let the light seep in. Refusing to let the light seep in. To seep means to move or spread slowly through a hole or something. In that case, the light. And I'll give you another one. The light was seeping out of the windows. So it's not always from a hole. It can be another thing. In this case, a window. The light was seeping out of the windows. The next one. Inky. Inky. Remember the phrase back in the book? The phrase was, the night is coming and I'm afraid of its inky darkness. Ink is the liquid used to print, write or draw something. It's also another word for something very dark. And I'll give you another example. Her eyes are dark as ink. Let's see the next one. Askew. Askew. Remember the sentence back in the book? The door was askew only slightly. If something is askew, it's not straight or in position. So let's imagine that you've got a painting on the wall like this. So if it is askew, it's like this, right? Not straight. So I will give you another example here. Isn't that picture askew? Let's see the next one. Disheartening. Disheartening. The sentence back in the book was, it was disheartening to find just a wall of bricks. It was disheartening to find just a wall of bricks. If something is disheartening, it's causing you to lose confidence, hope or your energy. I will give you another example. This was very disheartening news. This was very disheartening news. Let's go see the next one. Plonk. Plonk. The sentence back in the book was, I plonked myself in front of the television. I plonked myself in front of the television. To plonk means to put something down heavily and without care. You simply leave it there. You throw it there, right? And I'll give you another example. Just plonk the shopping on the table and come have a cup of tea. Just plunk the shopping on the table and come have a cup of tea. Let's go see the next one. Mindlessly. Mindlessly. The sentence back in the book was, I flicked through the channels mindlessly, not really paying attention. 
I flicked through the channels mindlessly, not really paying attention. Mindlessly means in a way that doesn't involve thought or mental effort. You're not really thinking about it. Something that you not that you don't need to push yourself to think about, right? And I'll give you another example. They were mindlessly looking at the street. It would be something like, you know, when you're just staring at nothing at all. Let's go see the next one. Rap. Rap. So the sentence back in the book was, I heard the knocks from the living room, three raps. I heard the knocks from the living room, three raps. So rap is indeed that type of music in which the words are spoken rather than sung, right? However, rap can also mean a sudden short noise, especially when something hits a hard surface, like that would be three raps. And I will give you another example. There was a series of raps on the window. There was a series of raps on the window. Let's go see the next one. Ashen. Ashen. The sentence back in the book was, their eyes were ashen and glossy. And glossy is indeed another word that I marked. Ashen means pale without color or gray. And glossy means smooth and shiny. And I'll give you two examples. The first one is, he was ashen-faced with shock. He was ashen-faced with shock. And example two, she had a glossy hair. She had a glossy hair. Let's go see the next one. Jutting, jutting. The sentence back in the book was, their chins were jutting Vs. Their chins were jutting Vs. So a chin, right? So jutting is something that is sticking out, especially passing the edge of something, something pointy. So if someone's got a jutting V chin, that would be a chin that is pointy, right? And I'll give you another example many jutting stones. So stones that are pointy. The next one is gums. Gums. The sentence was the teeth rotting the gums. The teeth rotting in the gums. So gums are either of the two areas of firm pink flesh inside your mouth into which the teeth are fixed right? So your gums, where your teeth are. And I'll give you another example. His gums were hurt. His gums were hurt. The next one is nod. And the sentence back in the book was they nodded. They nodded. So to nod is to move your head down and up just one or several times to show agreement, greeting or to indicate something. You know, when you do something like this, that is to nod. Or when you want to indicate something with your head, you just simply say, that is also to nod. And I'll give you another example. People nodded in agreement. People nodded in agreement. Let's go see the next one. This is an expression actually, and this is third times the four. Third times the four. Remember the sentence back in the book? It said, isn't that how it goes? 
third times the full. So this is an idiom that means the third time is when it happens. The third time or something is when it happens, right? It's used to emphasize that you must continue doing something at least three times. You can also see this as third time is the charm. Third time is the charm. And I will give you another example. He passed the test on the third time. Well, you know what they say, third time's the charm. Let's go see the next one. Low, low. So remember the phrase back in the book, it was seemed to lull whatever creature is left. To lull is to cause someone to feel calm and sleepy. It's what you do with babies, right? You are lulling them. Now, uh, I will give you another example. The motion of the car almost lulled her to sleep. The motion of the car almost lulled her to sleep. Let's go see the next one. Clarify. Clarify. The sentence back in the book was with just like a moment of your time to clarify things. With just like a moment of your time to clarify things. To clarify something is to make it clear or easier to understand. And I will give you one example. Let me clarify the instructions for you. Let me clarify the instructions for you. The next one. Sigh. Sigh. So this one is not sigh. Not sigh. 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 The sentence back in the book was, I squeezed the bridge of my nose between my eyes, sighed. So like this. <laughs> to sigh is to breathe out noisily, expressing tiredness, sadness, pleasure, anger, some feeling. So when you are, <sighs> you are sighing, okay? I will give you another example. He sighed then answered the call. He sighed, then answered the call. Let's go see the next one. Sternly. Sternly. The sentence back in the book was, I said as sternly as I could muster. And muster is another word that I've marked. So sternly means in a way that shows disapproval. And muster means to produce, to encourage, or to find something such as an emotion. And I will give you two examples here. The first one is, she managed to muster courage to ask him. And the second one, the teacher spoke sternly. Let's go see the next one. Ta. Ta. The sentence back the book was, their lips black as tar. So tar is that black substance that is sticky when hot, used for making roads. And I will give you another example. They will be tarring our street this week. They will be tarring our street this week. Let's go see the next one. Thumping. Thumping. The sentence back the book was, my heart thumping through my words. My heart thumping through my words. To thump means to hit something causing a noise, like, or simply, right? I will give you another example. Someone was thumping at the door, so they were like, right? Okay, let's go see the next one. Course, course. 
The sentence back in the book was the rope was thick and coarse. The rope was thick and coarse. If something is coarse, it's rough, not smooth or not soft. And I will give you one other example. The table surface was coarse. The table surface was coarse. Another one. Let's see the next word. Scythe. 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 Remember the sentence back in the book? Sharp like the blade of a scythe. So scythe is a tool with a long, sharp and curved blade and a long handle as well to be held with two hands and this is used for cutting tall grass right and i'll give you another example i was a bit afraid because they came holding a scythe i was a bit afraid because they came holding a scythe let's go see the next one replenishment replenishment the sentence back in the book was you've given him energy replenishment you've given him energy replenishment so replenishment is the act of filling something up again after using it in that case energy and i'm going to give you another example going on holidays is always a replenishment of my energies let's go see the next one sardine sardine the sentence back in the book was 200 faces crammed like sardines. So sardine is a small sea fish that can be eaten, right? I will give you another example. There were so many that they looked like sardines. Let's go see the next one. Flee, flee. The sentence back in the book was, I tried to flee. I tried to flee. To flee means to escape from running away from something. And I'll give you another example. She fled the room in tears. She fled the room in tears. Let's go see the next one. Do. Do. The sentence back in the book was under dull yellow light at the very end. Under dull yellow light at the very end. So do is a word for something boring or not interesting, not special, but in that context, an opaque color. I'll give you another example. He was wearing a dull blue shirt. He was wearing a dull blue shirt. Let's go see the next one. Sejos. Sejos. These sejos were painted in red. These sigils were painted in red. So sigil is an inscribed or painted symbol considered to have magical powers. And I'll give you another example. They entered the cave and saw three sigils on the wall. They entered the cave and saw three sigils on the wall. Okay, okay, that is the end of it. I hope you have liked this vocabulary and this activity, this reading activity, because honestly, that's a great part of all you need to do. When you read, you not only improve your vocabulary, but you also make it consistent, right, and solid. So if you liked this content, please then consider following Blimey English on Instagram, on Facebook, or subscribing to my YouTube channel. Or 
if you are someone who don't have time to watch the videos, you can listen to the Blimey Cast, which is available on Spotify and on iTunes app. This is time for me to go now and I'll see you in the next videos. Cheers! Thanks for listening. For more content, check my Instagram profile, Blimey English.